joy and bootstraps the podcast that you really need helping my black community good vibes good energy black joy and bootstraps talk financial literacy love and education want to see my people elevated Hello and welcome to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps. I am your host, Felicia Jimenez, and I am here today with my boy, Saeed Kareem. Saeed, can you say what's up for the folks? Hey, everyone. How's it going? Oh, my goodness. So today we are talking about stocks, y'all. Stocks, stocks. Let's talk about stocks, baby. No, nobody. Okay, that's cool. So today we are talking about stocks because so much has been going on and uh, we need to know, like the folks need to know, Saeed. So I had to bring on a professional. I had to bring on somebody um, that knows this stuff. So before we get started, Saeed, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course, Felicia. Thanks for, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. You know, I'm really, really excited to be here and, and, and talk about this stuff. I am too. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. So a little bit about me, you know, I've been involved in finance professionally for about five years now. And throughout the time, you know, I've been tasked with kind of looking at stocks and analyzing them and understanding why they might be a good or a bad investment. Um, but from a professional perspective, again, been doing it for five years. But from a personal perspective, I've been obsessed with stocks for about 12 years now. So since the time that I was 16 years old, I've kind of it's kind of always been on my radar and it's been a, it's been a crazy journey. Um, and it's pretty, uh, pretty awesome to see, you know, a, a lot more interest in the space and, you know, a lot more people kind of interested in trying to learn about stocks. So it's, that's really something that I, I like to see. And I'm, again, I'm glad to be here and really excited to share anything yes. that I can. I'm so excited too, because, um, so if you guys listened to my last episode, I actually gave a shout out to, uh, Saeed's girlfriend, Pointer, uh, who I work with and who is an, a phenomenal teacher. Uh, and so I was, I'm really excited about this because anybody associated with her, I'm like, yes, yes. Like I need them in my corner. I love it. Uh, so I'm going to go like super English teacher on y'all real quick. Um, and we're going to do some like defined key terms because when I hear stocks, um, I, I we we just gonna we just gonna define some things, Saeed, because I need you to tell me what some stuff means, and then we're gonna get into all the Robin Hood drama and the GameStop drama, because I was following Black Twitter like everybody else, like oh my gosh, what is going on? So, uh, <laughs> we, but first let's define some stuff. So when we say stocks, like what even are we talking about? What are stocks, Saeed? What are they? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, stocks from a very basic perspective are an investment, you know, and you kind of hope to buy a stock and hope to sell it later for a higher price so that you can get this return. Okay. Like in order for a stock to go up in price, there has to be more buyers than sellers, right? That's just the basic definition. When there are more sellers than buyers, the price will come down. That's how stock price moves, right? That, I didn't even have that basic information. Yo, so the more, so it's, um, it's the supply and demand. So um, the more people buy, the more it will go up. Yeah, the as long as there's people... less people selling. Yep. Okay, got it. Okay, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think we should spend a little bit of time talking about why the stock market exists. You know, um, the first reason is that, you know, when an investor goes out and buys a stock in a company, they're giving this company capital to kind of use in their business activities, whether they want to expand their business or they want to go out marketing or they want to build a facility for manufacturing. 
um, you know, when a person invests in the stock market, that's essentially what they're doing for a lot of these companies is giving them capital so that they can expand. And what do investors hope um, by giving them this money? They hope that they can get a return. So, you know, the, the second part, which leads me to the second purpose, the second purpose is for investors who are, you know, you and me and everyone else potential listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. they have a chance to share in the profits of a company in the future, in the future. So those are like really the two main reasons why the stock market exists. So when you buy a stock, you're essentially buying one share of that company. Um, And, uh, you know, there are a certain amount of shares out in the marketplace to be bought. And if you buy enough stock, you can have a certain percentage ownership in the company. Um, So, you know, that's that's typically like I think the most basic definition of what a stock is. Okay, so when I'm buying stock, I'm owning a part of the company is that always like if i own one stock am i like one share and do i own a part of the company exactly that that's exactly what it is you i mean depending on how many shares there are in the marketplace it'll basically translate into what the percentage of ownership that you have is so if there are 100 shares in the marketplace and you have 10 stocks or 10 shares you have 10 percent of the company basically so are we as as stockholders right as people who own share shareholders right um are we able to make decisions in that company because we have stocks like what is our what does owning a part of the company even mean so it essentially means that you're able to take part in the profits of the company in the future Um, before you buy a stock you essentially want to do a little bit of research on the direction that the company is headed and whether or not that story resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And if it does, and you think that this company is going to make more money in the future, you know, you might want to think about buying that stock. And as far as, you know, decision-making comes, you know, you have to, as a person or an entity or as an institution, you have to own a certain part percentage of the stock mm-hmm. to be able to kind of make, meet those decisions. And I, you know, I, the number escapes me currently, but it's somewhere, you know, it's it's definitely like at least 10% of the company that you have to own in order to be able to make the decisions of the company. Okay, got it. Yeah, but, but you know, at you as an investor, you have the ability to kind of decide which company you want to buy stock in. You know, there's 100 tech companies out there. There may be 20 of them that you like. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to the, you know, understand what the company does, listen to the direction that they're headed and uh, make your own decision on whether or not you think that company is going to grow in the future and be able to make money in the future. And based on that, you can kind of take a position in the stock. So, Saeed, low-key, we just gambling. What you're telling me is we just gambling. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, a lot of people have said that stock market is gambling, but, you know, I would say that it's not because you're – able to kind of synthesize a story based on all the information that you have in front of you. Okay. So you have, you can, you can research an industry that a company plays in mm-hmm. and understand what drives that industry. Right. You know, like, let's say for, like, for example, Apple is a company, you know, like everyone knows Apple, like a lot of their stock is driven by iPhone sales. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of, you can kind of like understand the whole smartphone market and the way that Apple is positioned and, if you can understand or if you can come to a conclusion on what they're going to do in the future based on things that they tell people, you know, things that they tell in their earning calls, earnings calls, you can, you can get like a better edge on, on, on some of these names, on some of these stocks. And 
you know, you have a higher chance of getting a good return on stocks that you do really good research in than you would going to a casino and gambling away money. Okay, so just different than it's a different gamble. It's more educated gambling. You don't yeah, want to call it gambling. Say, <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I, you know that's that's probably a great better way to put it. Like I I don't essentially want to call it gambling because right. I feel like when you're gambling, you know, it's the way I think about gambling is you go to a casino, you sit and pull a slot machine and hope that, you know, some, by some random chance you win. Right. But it, with stocks, you know, you can give yourself an informational edge by doing really good research and come, kind of putting this story together based on all the public information that's out there. Gotcha. Um, and, and if you do it better than others, like you'll, you'll be able to have a better return. Whereas mm-hmm. you're not, you know, you're not, you're not just sitting there and like hoping that uh, Apple goes up, you know, right. you're not just sitting there and hoping that. Just you can kind of in and just exactly right. exactly if you think about it from a analytical perspective i think it's um i think you know you can really come to a story that or you can find a company that has a compelling story for you to invest in so um as you like as you say that i was thinking um i have one of my closest friends he's like my little brother i refer to him as my little brother uh he works in tech and he said he'd just be walking and this is Again, this is why this is this episode for me is so important because these are conversations that when you're talking to black folks, we're like, what? Like people just do that. <laughs> so he said he'd be at work and people, you know, the conversations because he's one of the only black people there, if not the only black person at the company that he was at, uh, people would just in casual conversation over their lunch break go, oh yeah, I was looking at this company. You should probably throw some money on the stock. And he's like, wait, what? You know? And he was like, man, I feel... Uh, like horrible not giving that information to my community, you know? So that's something that he he does as well as tries to uh, throw that information out at us. And I appreciate you giving us the, hey, you need to actually research and, and do these things. Because mm-hmm. I, I believe that when we're not in those circles, that's what we have to do, you know? But, right, I mean, right. He's being thrown this information, but for the rest of us, we're not, many of us are not in those circles where we're able to just go, oh, yeah, sure, you should invest in, or what is the one that was really big, this pa- Dodge coin, Dodge co- something. Doge coin, yeah. Something. I couldn't even read it. I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I downloaded the Robinhood app along with everybody else and was trying to figure out what to do. But, and yeah. then, you know, it took forever. But long story short, I'm like, these. this is not information that's just, you know, we know. Um, right. So my next question is, what are some things that when we're buying stocks that beginners tend to overlook? Like, what is it that we, we tend to make mistakes doing or, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, this is a great question, um, especially um, given the timing right now. You mm-hmm. know, what we saw, you know, the, the way I see it, a lot of people start to get interested in the stock market when some extraordinary market event happens, mm-hmm. you know. Um, when we hear stories about people becoming overnight millionaires because they invested their life savings in a company, I think that's when people really start to like pay attention to these things. Like it happened with Bitcoin, it happened with stocks over the past couple of weeks, it happened with Dogecoin, as you mentioned. Uh, Dogecoin, which isn't a stock, it's a cryptocurrency, but okay. you know, it, it's a similar, you know, it's a similar story every time. When people are making a ton of money, that's when people start to pay attention. And I think. Um, what that does for a lot of beginners is that it inflates their expectations of what a healthy return on an investment is. Uh, you know, you look at you look at GameStop and you see how much money people have made. They're up like 20, 30 times on what they've put in. 
And um, unfortunately, the reality of the situation is that that's an extraordinary event. That's not an event that a beginner should expect right. to get when they start investing. And, um, you know, Warren Buffett is probably hailed as one of the greatest investors of our time. And, and his his firm returns 17% on an annual basis. And that's considered to be a great investment. Um, wow. You know, like that's he's considered as like one of the greatest investors of our time. So like you have to as an as a beginner, you have to kind of manage your expectations in a, in a way that's realistic, you know, um, sometimes yeah people will sometimes hit home runs like they'll double their money on the stock and they'll triple their money on the stock but you know having expecting that going in probably sets you up for some disappointment i think too um, there's this part of like getting rich overnight that we all need right we're like so many of us have school debt we're trying to buy houses yeah. or get out from under our housing debt like so many of us are like how can i get rich overnight and right. so it did right. spark this like thought within us that well maybe if we all start a facebook group or a reddit group or some kind of <laughs> right. group you know and do this to another company um then then this could be us right so i feel like i definitely agree with that portion of it because i was like Yo, you mean to tell me they just got millions just like that? Like they just all got together and did it, you know? So Yeah. There are some like regulatory implications that, you know, I, I'm probably not gonna get into, but mm -hmm. you know, um as far as like a healthier return, like that, you know, I, I would say that expecting to double your money in two weeks is uh, a little bit unrealistic, you yeah. know. And um and, and the other part of this situation is for a beginner, you have to know, or you have to like develop a strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you buy a stock at $100 per share, what price does that stock need to go to mm -hmm. where you're happy with that return? You know, like, and, and it's healthy and it's realistic. You know, where does that need to go to to the point where you're like, okay, I'm happy with this X amount of money that I've made. I want to pull the investment out now, you know? And on the other side, if you buy that stock for $100 and it goes down, you need to be able to have a threshold for which you want to take that loss. You know, like if the stock goes down $20, is that as much of a loss as you want to take and you don't want to be in it anymore? Mm. You have to have a strategy for when you get out of a stock, whether it goes up or down. And, you know, you, you don't want to, and the other part of this is like, you want to take emotions out of investing. And that's another thing that a lot of beginners um, do not do. They, they tend to get emotional about, perhaps like a stock that has done really well and they are, they get sort of greedy and they, they, they want to keep the stock. They want to keep invested in the stock because they think that it'll keep going up. Um, and on the reverse side, when they start losing money on a stock, you know, they, they, they think that it'll come back up and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. But again, like you want to follow that strategy that you've developed over time uh, or that you will develop over time um, rather strictly because that's the way that, a lot of these great investors are able to kind of get their great returns is that they follow a strict strategy that they that they build. So I know, like I said, there's things that we overlook, but what are some things that we can do immediately as beginners to just kind of get our feet wet or figure out, is this for me? Is this not for me? I've heard of dollar stocks or penny stock, things like that. So what are some things? Are those, are those good? Are those bad? What do you think? Yeah. So as a beginner, you know, you can, there, there, I believe we live in an age where there's so much information available to us, whether that's YouTube or just Googling things in general, but there's so much information out there about, 
you know, about learning about the stocks, you know, mm-hmm. and you can do a ton of research on your own before you actually invest any of your money into the markets, you know. Um, and, and I think, you know, there are a lot of platforms that we all use, like Twitter, where, you know, you can go on Twitter and if you go into the search bar and you type in the dollar sign and then you search for the stock symbol, uh-huh. it'll bring up like people talking about the stock on Twitter. You know, there's another platform called StockTwits, which is similar to this, but it's specifically focused on stocks. You know, it's not like a, a platform that people use to talk about or just tweet things, you know, unrelated. So StockTwits is basically like a social media platform for people talking about stocks. Come through, so, Saeed. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, those are those are essentially great ways to kind of figure out like what people are saying about a stock. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily something that you should or shouldn't use to, you know, figure out what to invest in. Of course. But it's a it's a good way to kind of like get an understanding of why people are talking about a certain thing. Um, and then also there are, you know, whenever you're interested in a specific company, all the information that's available to professional investors is also available to regular investors, like um, like anyone else listening to this podcast or you or me. Anyone can like access this information, you know, whenever a company has a quarterly earnings call where they report the results of the last quarter, um, the transcript of that call is made available for free on a lot of websites like Seeking Alpha. Uh And, you know, yeah, Seeking Alpha is a great website that people can use to kind of do a little bit of a deep dive on, you know, these transcripts and such. And then also any public company that trades on the stock market is required to have certain filings. Mm-hmm. You know, every single quarter they have to file something called a 10Q when they have earnings. You know, whenever they make an announcement, they have to file what's called an 8K. Um, and then every at the end of every year, they file what's called a 10K. And all these filings are available for free um, via the government entity called the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC's website. You know, you can go to their website, you can go and find all these filings um, for yourself. And the best way to kind of understand or read everything about a company is to read their 10K that they file at the end of every year. Mm -hmm. You know, it tells you about their business, it tells you about their customers, it tells you about the suppliers, it tells you geographically where they're located, and it gives you a breakdown of their financial statements as well. So I think, you know, there's a ton of resources out there to get your feet wet about you know, what a company does, what industry does it play in, what are the issues that people really care about um, as it pertains to these companies and these industries. Okay. And, and, and I think the last point I want to make is that, you know, when you're ready to invest your own money, uh, you know, you it, it's one of those things where you have to learn by doing it, right? You don't actually even have to risk your own money to do it. There are platforms out there that give you, um, you know, fake money hmm. to actually trade on the market, you know, like on the market. So there's a, if you go on Google and you search market watch game, this platform essentially uh, gives you like a certain amount of money that you can then use to make an investment decision. And it emulates the stock market as if you're using real money to actually do it. You know, like obviously you're not getting anything mm-hmm. or putting any money in, but it gives you like a real time readout on what an investment you would have done would have done. Said, yeah, you just gave me so many like websites. I'm gonna have to listen to my own podcast like five I've... times because I'm like, yo, this is good. Okay, yo, yo, this is good. Stock twits. Okay, this is. I'm like, this is so much. But it's like this is what we need. 
And the issue that I have, too, is far too often. I don't know if this is just me. Like, if you're listening, you let me know because after you listen to this episode. But my struggle, just like I was saying at the beginning, we're going to have to define some key terms because what ends up happening for me is when I go to even Google certain things, I'm like, yo, I don't even know what this means. Like, and then I have to, like... (laughs) You ever have to Google, you Google a definition, then you Google the definition of the definition that you just got? Like, <laughs> yep, like always. that's me. Like, I'm like, what is happening? Because I do not understand what I just read. And so usually my husband, who is the brainiac, I'm like, babe, what does this mean? He's like, oh, that means that a company did it. I'm like, how do you know this? Like, I don't even understand, you know? But yeah. that's that's what happens a lot too. And that's w- another thing that I'm about to ask you because this is the word that I, it kept coming up. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Have you ever seen that TikTok uh, where the kid goes around and he asked people uh, what they do for a living, like people with oh, nice course. cars. And like yeah, so many of, of them are like, I'm a hedge fund manager. Have you seen those? And <laughs> oh, I'm of like, course. Yeah, so private I, equity, whatever. Yes, private equity yep. and hedge fund managers and stuff. So I like Googled private equity one day and I'm like, let me see what this even means. <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm reading. Like, I was just like, <laughs> I don't even understand what this means. And I'm going to have to get some of my friends that are in like finances to like explain this to me. But they were like, yeah, they just manage other people's money. And I'm like, it, like an accountant. And they're like, no, they do. And I'm like, I don't, I, I can't, my brain is already no. But so that's how I feel about all these definitions. But what is a hedge fund manager? What does that mean? What y'all be doing? Yeah, let's let's just let's talk about what a, a hedge fund is specifically. Okay. Um, you know, a hedge fund is a company or an institution that invests money on behalf of others with the hope that they can essentially beat what the rest of the market is doing. Hold on. Um, Before you even move yeah, on, I want to clarify, make sure that I understood that part. So I'm going to give you my money and and I'm hoping that you will put it in the right place to invest. Let me just make sure I got the foundation of that correct. Is that right? That's exactly correct. Okay. That's exactly correct. Okay. And 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 there are certain limitations on, you know, wh- what, you know, who can invest in a hedge fund, you know. You have to be an accredited investor if you're an individual or, you know, you have to be some sort of institution that manages money for, you know, like manages a retirement account or a pension plan or something like that. So y- there are certain restrictions of, on who can invest in a hedge fund mainly because they're they're a little bit more risky. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a little bit more Hedge funds have a little bit more say in how they invest and what they invest in. So that, that that's essentially like, yes, yeah, you, you're, you hit the nail on the head, basically. So the truth is, this isn't like, if I'm being honest, because I like to keep it 100% real with my folks, like, this isn't really for the common folk, right? This is for people that no. have like money, yeah. money that many of us, especially my listeners, like, don't get it twisted. Some of y'all got money, right? But like, for the, <laughs> for the most part, right, if you're listening, it's because we're trying to get the basics down yeah. of this information. So truthfully, these are people who, they've probably been at this for generations. Let's just be honest. Like, yeah. these are yeah, people no, that have old money. Like, this is old money type stuff when we're dealing with hedge funds, right? Not not necessarily, because I mean, it. you know, we'll have some of those as well. Like, our hedge funds will have some of those as well. Um, but there's a lot of times that an institution will invest in a hedge fund, you mm-hmm. know, whether if you have a retirement account through Fidelity, okay. Fidelity has like a strat may have a strategy. I'm just using an example and I'm not sure if they do, but I'm just mm-hmm. using an example. Fidelity may have a strategy that involves, you know, hedge funds and they can allocate some money to different hedge funds. Um, 
because they believe that this hedge fund will do better than the rest of the market. Um, so it's not necessarily old money or or like people that are supremely rich. But even then, you know, some hedge funds do take um, the money from what's called an accredited investor. And, um, you know, to, to your point, like, is this like uh, someone that's like super rich? Uh, I would say they, they've got significant capital behind them. I mean, to be an accredited investor as an individual, you have to have, you know, a $200,000 a year income and a minimum net worth of a million dollars or more. Wow. Okay. And, and <laughs> yeah, and a lot of times like, and a lot of times like that, that, that gets you in as an accredited investor, but a lot of times, you know, hedge funds will require even higher thresholds than that. So that's, you know, that, that's the basic definition. Okay. Because when I kept seeing it again, another thing I kept looking up and I'm like, I just don't think I fully understand that. But now that you, you say it that way, I get it. So I give you my money, you, and depending, it can be an institution or a person, right? And you're just hoping that they will invest it, um, in a way that is going to be lucrative for you. That's perfect. Yep, that's exactly it. Oh my gosh. Okay, now let's discuss GameStop because I could not follow Twitter fast enough. Like I'm following (laughs) every hashtag because I think now we kind of got the foundation and I'm going to ask you some some more questions over stocks. But really the million dollar question is what the hell happened with GameStop that had like the internets going wild? Like we were on Beyonce's internet like what GameStop, what Reddit? What Serena Williams's husband? So okay, so let's just talk about that. Like, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. So so the GameStop issue is kind of multifaceted, mm-hmm. um, and uh, let you know the reason that people kind of really rallied behind this. You know, let let's paint the picture here. So a lot of hedge funds and big institutions were 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 essentially short GameStop. Uh, what does it mean to short a company? Yeah. No, shorting a company is essentially the opposite of you know, buying the stock of a company. So when you buy a stock of a company, you're hoping that the stock goes up and that you can sell the, sell the stock later at a higher price. When you short a stock, you're be- basically betting against a stock and you're hoping that the price goes down. Oh, wow. And if the price goes down, you will make money. Yep. And, 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 you know, the easiest way that I can explain this is, you know, let's say that, you know, you do your research on pencils, you know, Mm -hmm. for example, let's just use pencils as an example. You do your research on pencils and you think in six months time, the price of pencils will drop. Currently they're selling for, let's say $10. Mm -hmm. And in six months time, you think that the pencils will sell for $5, right? Mm -hmm. So anyone that buys a pencil as an investment now, if what you predict happens in six months, they'll lose money because the price of pencils goes from $10 to $5. Mm -hmm. But you want to make money on that, right? So how do you do it? So you essentially go to someone that deals in pencils and you ask to borrow some pencils right now, right? Mm -hmm. So you borrow pencils and in return for borrowing pencils, you pay this entity an interest rate, you know, depending on that interest rate can vary depending on, you know, what type of thing you're buying. But right now you have these pencils that you borrowed and you go out into the marketplace right now when the price is $10 and you sell those pencils for $10, right? So essentially, let's say you sold one pencil, you bring in $10, right? Mm -hmm. But given the agreement that you had with the pencil dealer, you have to give the pencil back to them at some point. So let's say your prediction is correct. And in six months, the price of pencils goes down to $5. You go out into the marketplace and you buy that pencil back for $5. 
So you give them $5, the mm-hmm. person that you're buying it from. And essentially you give that pencil back to the dealer afterwards. Mm-hmm. So what you've done is you've made a $5 profit on the price going down because essentially you've borrowed it before you mm-hmm. sold it to the marketplace and then you bought it back at a lower price to get back to your dealer. So your profit would be whatever that price differential is minus the interest rate that you paid them over that time. Mm-hmm. So that's what shorting a stock is. Now, if the price of that pencil goes up to $15, yeah, it's a fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. You have to essentially buy that pencil back at a higher price. Gotcha. You know, and and uh, and no matter what, you have to buy that pencil back to give it back to your dealer, right? So you become a buyer at that higher price um, when that happens, and that's that that's called a short squeeze. You know, when when the price of something moves up in a way where you're forced to kind of buy it before it goes any worse, and your losses get much bigger. Um, you know. When you're shorting a company, your loss is infinite. It can go from ten dollars to a thousand to a million to ten million. You know, you don't want to be in that position. So you have to buy it back before it gets kind of out of hand. Interesting. And that's okay. and that's called a short squeeze, you know. And that's essential to understanding what happened with GameStop. Um, you know, essentially a lot of, you know, or some hedge funds are out there shorting GameStop. You know, a, a large, you know, a large percent of the shares that were outstanding were shorted by some of these institutions. So people were thinking, just just clarification again, people were thinking yep. GameStop is going to go down, right? Like that Yeah, is what... exactly. They didn't have much faith in GameStop's ability to continue as a business, basically. They didn't have to do GameStop like that. But okay, so <laughs> so they're like, you know what? GameStop is damn near an absolute, like it's weird. Yeah, okay, got it. So people were betting right. against GameStop. There are people that right, were betting exactly. against it. Okay. Exactly. And so then one user on Reddit basically went out and put a ton of his money into GameStop stock. And uh, he, every single week, as far as I could tell, or every single month, he would post up a update on what was going on. Like, hey, like, here's my position now. And here's my position now. Here's where I started. Here's what I'm making. And eventually, he got enough people to rally around him that people just started buying GameStop stock. And as we mentioned before, as people buy a stock, the price of it goes up. Mm-hmm. So essentially what happened was that they started to increase the price of GameStop, you know, and then this causes these hedge funds that were short to lose money. And again, you know, because they in were our the exam- ones that bet against it, right? that bet against it. Exactly. And in our, in our example about, you know, the pencil where like you had to buy the pencil back at $15 to mitigate any further loss. A lot of, you know, the, the hedge funds that were short were then forced to go out and be buyers at a higher price, which then pushed the stock up even more. So basically you had this complete, like, you know, a lot of these investors that were on Reddit, on Facebook, on Twitter, they were buying GameStop stock to force the hand of these investors, these hedge funds to actually go out and buy the stock at a higher price so that there's, so that the price of GameStop could go even higher. And that's, you know, that's essentially what happened there. And that's why the stock went from, I mean, I think it was like $10 to at one point, like over 400. So so that, that, Yeah. The people that bought it, because for me and my my understanding is this incorrect. They did it like overnight, or you're, because what you sound like it was like over a gradual period of time, or was it like how did it so how did yeah, it like get it, the hit the news and it was like people are rich now, like you know what I mean? <laughs> like how did that happen? It just you know it it was it was not a totally overnight thing, okay. but. 
when it started to move up really quickly is when mm. it started to hit the news. You know, like okay. essentially like this position has been building for a little while and this forum on Reddit called Wall Street Bets is like followed by three million plus people. So, mm. you know, and it probably grew a ton since the time that people started trading GameStop and getting rich off of it to the point where like like now, like I bet you there's so many more followers of that subreddit now than there were when the saga started. But basically like it just started snowballing and then eventually like some people were like oh crap this one dude made like a million dollars like i want to get in right now because they like the the amount that is shorted on gamestop is actually publicly available um so people saw that there was a lot of people betting against gamestop so what they decided was that if we can push the price up more Mm -hmm. these people that are short gamestop have to have to fold and they have to buy the stock at a higher price, which will send our shares even higher because then they become buyers. Wow. And so that's essentially what happened there. I also, can I just say, it it makes complete sense. And I also appreciate the foundation you gave with the pencils because it made so much sense to me as a teacher because I'm like, yeah, I know pencils are down right now because ain't nobody using (laughs) no damn pencils. Like, I had an assignment the other day and I'm like, all right, guys, get out your pencils. They're like, what are those? I was like, oh, (laughs) my gosh. So, like, I was even even the foundation that you gave, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's dope. I got it. I got it. Like, that was was a good setup. So, now tell me, why were people so pissed at where they buy the stocks like people were pissed at robin hood people were like people were like going ham on the internet yeah like everywhere at these places what happened then because they were like and i kept just seeing posts that basically summed up said and the rich went again so what happened that the rich won again well i this is a little bit of a complicated issue i think there's probably some misinformation out there about Mm -hmm what happened and why let's say let's just use you know robin hood as an example why they stopped trading uh i think that's the most public one you know, mm-hmm. that, that people really know about um and the reason that people are upset is because they think that robin hood and all these other you know brokers are working with hedge funds to mitigate hedge fund losses okay and you know and they think that that's you know essentially screwing the regular investor the common man um, from getting these returns because then it's preventing them from basically keeping like Robinhood basically prevented people from buying GameStop, AMC, all these other stocks that like were running up a ton because, you know, they and, and because they prevented it, people thought that they were just trying to do this to protect hedge funds. Mm-hmm. And that's why people were mad. But the reality of the situation is that, you know, when you're, when you're one of these brokers, you have to have a certain amount of capital you know, in order to be able to, you know, what's called settle these trades. And because of the massive increase in volume that people like these brokers saw with a stock like GameStop, they essentially didn't have the capital that they needed that they're required to have in order to make sure that these trades were actually executed. So they're literally um, saying, we ain't got the money. Like, we ain't got the money for you to even keep we, doing this. we don't have the capacity, basically, mm-hmm. right? Like, we don't have the capacity. So we have to restrict the trading. Otherwise, you know, this is we're breaking the law here or breaking our own requirements. So, uh, yeah. So essentially, like they had to stop that because of that reason. Um, But, you know, of course, you know, given given the 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 story behind why GameStop even went up, Mm -hmm. you know, that it it was very easy to kind of fall into the narrative that, you know, Robin Hood and all these other brokers were working with these hedge funds to kind of mitigate hedge fund losses. Um, And um, honestly, if anything you know, this whole saga tells me that, you know, perhaps, you know, the game isn't rigged 
against you know the regular man or the common man mm. because a lot of these hedge funds did suffer some huge losses you know um and they weren't necessarily protected you know so they they, they did suffer huge losses and and so you know it's not like robin hood or any other broker stepped in and was like hey we're going to prevent you from getting x right. amount of loss like it didn't happen like people lost a lot of money uh, on these trades so if anything like i feel like that's kind of the message that's mm-hmm. not being heard um and that, that that's why people were pissed but um you know it's that they thought that you know again the rich one um i'm not necessarily sure that that's the case i think it was just more of a regulatory thing and i think that rich rich people are gonna be rich like so like at the end of the day like we're mad but it's like this you know and and i appreciate you saying that like it didn't maybe go down or it didn't actually go down the way everyone is thinking or assuming right because again especially we're we're learning a lot and we're learning via twitter and we're learning via google and i never knock those places because they're incredible starting places like when you're looking at facebook and instagram and twitter and all of those they're incredible starting places for knowledge you know what i mean absolutely Uh, but we also have to have the experts come in and we have to have people that are going to teach us what these things mean how to actually um apply the knowledge that we get and so mm-hmm. when i was seeing all those things i was just like well, let me download robin hood like everybody else right uh mm-hmm. let me go ahead mm-hmm. and put my little chump change on here to see what i can do uh, and that's that kind of brings me to my next question because when we talk about stocks and what to get you kind of hit on that we need to uh, investigate we got to research we got to do all of these things what is the difference between uh, um, what is it called? It's like a casual trade or like day trading. You know what I mean? These are terms yeah. that I've heard like day trading versus investments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. What, like what, what is it? What even is that? So, yeah. So when you're a day trader, essentially you are buying a stock and selling it on the same day. You're that's why it's called a day trader. You are in the business of making money quick or losing money quickly, you know, you don't want to hold anything overnight usually. Hmm. Um, that's what a day trader does. But from an investment perspective, you know, you can look at a stock and, you know, think about how long you want to hold that. You know, you don't have to hold it. It can be overnight. It can be a few hours, mm-hmm. but typically investors hold for a longer period of time um, and they don't necessarily day trade. You know, day traders are, are traders. There's a difference between a trader and an investor, you know. Gotcha. And there are, I mean, essentially like two types of investors, you know, one's a short-term investor and one's a, one's a long-term investor. Hmm. Yeah. So by definition, you know, a short-term investor is, is one that holds a stock or is invested in the stock for less than a year. And a long-term one is, um, an investor that holds for a year or longer. Mm. And, um, it's not just a dictionary definition. There's also a tax definition of it too. When you're a short-term investor, any money that you've made, you have to pay taxes as if it were regular income, mm. you know? So, you know, whatever tax bracket you're in, that's the tax that you'll have to pay for any investment gains if it were short-term. And then if it were long-term, you know, which means again, that you're holding for a year or longer, you pay what's called a cap, like a long-term capital gains tax, which is different than the regular income. And um, if you make $80,000 or less and you've held the stock for a year and you've made money on it, your taxes are actually 0%. But for the vast majority of people that invest the money, they fall somewhere in the next bracket where it's, you know, you make between $80,000 a year and 
four hundred and almost four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? Got it. If you've made any money on stocks and your taxable income is in between that range, you'll pay fifteen percent in tax. Oh. Um, if you're single. Okay. And then if you're above that income, you know, above four hundred fifty five hundred thousand dollars, you'll pay twenty percent in tax. So, but again, this tax only applies to stocks that have been held for over a year. Okay. So when you're talking about the um, the day trading and the long-term investments and the taxes and all of that, is that, it kind of leads me into this question that I'm, that I was thinking the whole time you were talking, is that a way to diversify your portfolio? Because I hear that term a lot. So let's, let's break that down, define another key term. What is a portfolio and what does it mean to diversify it? And then I guess we can decide from there if, you know, day trading and doing all these different kinds of investments are diversifying our portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. So a portfolio is basically the collection. I mean, if we're talking about strictly stock, Mm -hmm. it's basically the collection of stocks that you have, um, that you have, that you are invested in. Um, And, you know, if you're invested in Apple and Microsoft and Tesla and all these other companies, like that's your portfolio, all the collection of stocks that you have money and invested in right now, that's a portfolio. And the importance of diversifying, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's a few factors, you know, when you diversify a portfolio, you are essentially lowering your risk. And, and how do you do that? You know, whenever there's an event, uh, in, you know, that takes place that affects a certain industry, you want to make sure that your portfolio isn't overexposed to that industry, you know, like, or like, like whether it's good or bad, like, you know, essentially when you have stocks that are diversified, meaning they're invested across different sectors, Mm -hmm. whether it's tech or healthcare or retail or consumer or industrials, you know, essentially you are reducing the possibility that any one big event in any industry has a huge effect on your portfolio. Um, You know, on the one hand, you may argue that, that lowers the amount of return that you get. Yes, it does. It could, it could. Um, But it also reduces the amount of downside that you have as well. And that's why it's really important to diversify. And again, this goes back to the point that I made earlier about having healthy expectations for what a return is. You know, you don't want to expect to get a hundred percent return. If you do actually, you're taking a significant amount of risk. (laughs) So, uh, and so that, that's essentially why it's important to diversify your portfolio so that you lower the risk that any one event could totally derail your, your returns or your, or your profits. I think about this all the time with because we have a mutual fund set up uh, and, uh-huh. you know, mutual fund is spread across the different companies and how well they're doing and all of that. Uh, which again, another podcast, another time, all of that. But uh, I, you're right. Like there's sometimes when I look at it, I open it up and I'm like, oh, so you're just gonna drop two hundred dollars just like that, huh? Just two hundred dollars <laughs> of my money, you know? And then other times I'm like, oh, okay, so it went up X amount of dollars. Or, mm-hmm. but you're right. You got to be in it to win it, and you got to be in it for the long haul because so often we want this quick, like. Um, like my brother used to always say when he waited tables, he was like, one thing about waiting tables is if I go in on a on E, like if my gas tank is on E, I'll always leave with money, <laughs> right? Like, because I'm going <laughs> to wait on tables and I'm going to get tips and I'm going to have enough money to get home, you know? And yep. I always thought about that b- because a lot of jobs aren't like, like that, you know? Now, obviously, waiting is a whole other industry that we could talk about, but it is... It, my brother was like, I'm just happy that I know that I'll at least have some money 
to go home with. So that's kind of day trading. Like you'll know um, at the end of the day whether or not you're going to have a few dollars more. Uh, but for the most part, just like you were saying, you want everything diversified so that you don't just yeah. vomit. And, and day trading is a little bit, uh, day trading is definitely a little bit riskier because, I mean, a lot of day traders don't necessarily trade on company information. They kind of trade on patterns. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, there are definitely investors there or, or traders that make a living out of day trading. But I would say that it's it's definitely more difficult for sure. And there's a lot more risk involved with day trading than there is for like long-term investing. Day trading um, to me sounded like something you do when you already have a lot of money and a lot of time. Um, like I'm uh, serious, I would say, like, yeah, yeah, like literally ahead. I was looking at it and I was like, I'm sorry, like who has time to just sit here <laughs> and like, first of all, yeah. identify the patterns. And then I'm like, I don't, what? Like that takes yeah, a lot it's... of that. That to me was like, very high class yeah. status <laughs> like if i was like yeah no that's that's not me <laughs> like I'm i would not say i would say trader. day trading is closer to gambling yes <laughs> than, and, and that's really what it sounded like i was trying yep. to stay away from that word out of respect for you but i was like bruh that's gambling <laughs> like day it, trading it's closer is, for yeah, sure <laughs> it's absolutely i was like mm, a little uncomfortable but yes so um another thing too that i was thinking uh what is there anything because when we're talking about this uh, and you've given me and us so much information, and I know it's a lot to take in. Uh, so I'm gonna again, even me, I'm gonna have to listen to my own podcast like five times ago. What did he say there? Okay, okay, go here. What did he say there? <laughs> right. Um, what is what is advice that you would give us, and specifically, um, because you already know how passionate I am mm -hmm. about my community, um, mm -hmm. but for Black folks. This is information that has specifically purposefully been withheld from us that we are just now uh, really on a large scale, <clears throat> excuse me, tapping into. Uh, mm -hmm. And we're like, no, like we are learning, we are growing, we are doing our very best. What is what is the advice that you would give um, or something that you wish everyone knew about stocks that would help us as a whole? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, like you, you want like just before investing, like you should know your own situation and the risks that you can take. Um, you know, again, you don't want to invest any money that you can't afford to lose, but you definitely want to be aware of your situation, how much you can invest in the markets. So first and foremost, always be aware of of your own personal you know place. And secondly, again, like there's so many resources out there that you can essentially learn, you know, by yourself. Like, you know, when I was young, I was kind of in a similar position too. Like I had no idea what stocks were like, nobody actually provided me that information. Right. Um, and the reason that I actually got invested or interested in stock was because again, of an extraordinary market event, mm -hmm. um, you know, the GameStop is getting a lot of people interested because people got rich, but I got interested in 2008 when a bank, big bank failed mm -hmm. and the housing market, you know, collapsed. the housing market collapsed. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that was the big market event that got me interested, you know? Um, so essentially like, I think one of the, you know, best things that you can do is to really do your research about a company and understand the drivers of that business, the drivers of that industry. And you'll find that as you do more and more of this, you'll start to build this knowledge base about what works in the world and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And you start to like continue to build that and you just become a smarter and smarter investor over time. And as you continue to practice this, you just, you know, are able to see things, 
much more quickly than when you had first started. You know, when I first started, I it, getting interested, I didn't even know what a stock was. You know, I couldn't even, I couldn't wrap my head around buying a share. Like, what does that mm-hmm. even mean? So, so like, and, and, and now I do it professionally, right? So it's, 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 it's one of those things where you have to constantly work at it. You know, you don't want to give up. It's definitely one of those things that you should consider if you have the money to do it. You know, if you have anything in savings, like, and, and you're willing to kind of risk it, like it's, it's a good thing to consider. And as far as, you know, I, I would say like, if you could, as you said, like people are really trying to get in, in, interested in this. Today. I would mm-hmm. say if you try and build a community around it and have discussions um, about certain stocks or have an investment club that you create where like every single month or, or so that you meet, you know, and discuss these things. I think those kind of things facilitate thoughtful discussion and facilitate, yeah. you know, the best ways to kind of, you know, think about certain investments. I mean, it, you know, it, it is different for everybody. There's no real right way, but I think just constantly being able to have an intellectual curiosity, seeing the way the seeing what's going on in the world and like figuring out how this can affect certain industries, like that will definitely help you start like connecting these dots that you weren't connecting before. I think, you know, that that's really important. I don't know if that gives you information Absolutely. Uh, that answers your question. Yeah. Absolutely. It does. And one thing I wanted to say too, and that definitely answers my question, but one thing you guys know that are listening, I'm always super transparent. I'm always vulnerable with the information that I give. Uh, but it's true when I Google things and it's, it's so easy to just want to give up when you Google something, you're like, I have no idea what the hell that means. Like, I, I have no idea what that even said. And then we get too embarrassed to ask somebody or we don't have anyone to ask, you know? Um, so I totally get that. But just like I tell my kids at school, then you got to look for another definition. Then you got to go somewhere else. We got to, we have to get this information because this is the way people have built generational wealth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for again for generations right since the stock market has been around this is how people have built um generational wealth and we're sitting here like what even is it what are stocks <laughs> what does this mean you know what i mean yeah um yeah and and what again because i was talking about you're saying you have to know your own financial situation in order to invest money it has to be some kind of excess funds or funds that you don't you're not gonna technically miss right if it's between right. your your meal and stocks obviously it's your meal we're never gonna say yeah Definitely. Hey, go just get the stocks and in six months it'll pay off like it's just like for those of you who watch atlanta it's like the episode where uh darius takes urn to go breed the, the dogs and he's like darius i need the money now like i don't need the money six months from now i need the money now <laughs> like i'm broke now you know and so um and that's how I feel. If you're not able, just like you were saying, if you're not able to do it now, then then just learn. Continue to learn until yeah. you're able to be in a place where you can. And definitely use those uh, simulation games that I talked about earlier. You know, those help you really kind of grasp what your investment would do. Like, let's say you think a company is going to do well. Go invest in that on that you know simulator app. They're mm-hmm. all free. And if they're not, go find another one because most of them are free. <laughs> so, yes. um, you know, so that, that's like a, I think that when I first started, I was 16, right. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't legally allowed to trade money and my parents wouldn't give me any money to do it. So <laughs> I was, I was constantly on these like simulators and I did it for two, two and a half years, three years before I actually invested real money. And not saying that you have to do it for two or three years, but like I had to, because I was 16. Um, but that, that, that taught me a lot. And um, one disclaimer that I would say is that, you know, when you're investing fake money, um, the emotions that you feel when you invest real money are not really there. 
So you want to manage, uh, you want to be able to manage your emotions as well when you're investing real money. But again, um, I think that was like one of the best ways to learn and understanding why things went up and why things went down and constantly like, I don't, not, not constantly, but like keeping an eye to the news about mm-hmm. certain companies and things like that. So, you know, we hear a lot about GameStop, but you know, like nothing really, nothing really real besides people wanting to buy the stock feel that. Right. Um, but you look at companies like, you know, Apple, whenever they have an earnings quarter, you can look at like what their iPhone numbers are, what their Mac numbers are and things like that. And you'll see like, how those things drive the stock, you know, and how those things send the stock the way they do. So always be aware of kind of the news that's related to companies that you're doing. And, and, and I cannot stress this enough, really, really go out there and find these simulators and just try it out yourself. And I think you'll like, you'll learn a lot more um, just by doing that um, as well. Give us the um, the name of the simulator. You, you gave us the name of sure. one, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, so so the one I really like is, is Market Watch. And the reason is because, as I said before, you know, you want to start a community around these things and start talking to your friends and family about these things. On Market Watch, you can actually invite people to your game and you can see how we, you guys are doing with your own investments. You know, you can set it up in a way where like you kind of make it a game to see like, I don't know, when I was in, you know, when I was younger, I would be like, hey, here's $20, let's all bet $20. And whoever has the best returns at the end of the week gets the pot, you know, like that's something that we do is for fun. Um, not necessarily you have to do that, but you can make it like a game among family and friends on market watch to see who has the best returns and, and such. So it, it's really, it, it can be fun in that sense. And, and, and market watch is the one I really like. It's free. It's all we have always has been. And it lets you kind of set the parameters of the game any way you want. So when you're saying, um, that is it using real stocks but fake money like it'll do exactly the, okay so however exactly it, it goes up or down is real exactly but okay perfect so for those of y'all that are listening and every single uh month or a quarterly uh y'all are continually telling y'all's family getting y'all's family together for them mlms you know what i'm talking about listen this week i'm selling tea <laughs> this week I'm, y'all better get y'all family together and start doing these damn stocks because if y'all can get us yeah. together to try to sell your little uh product or whatever it is this month or next month you can get us together to start talking about some stocks and um and if you got time to play Candy Crush, let me go and raise my hand. Um, if you got time <laughs> to play Candy Crush or anything else on your phone, then you can definitely download uh, some of these apps and things that he has told us about so that we can learn because now is the time. There is no better time than now. Um, yeah, we got a new president. I just had to throw that in there too. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have time. Things are looking up. Things are getting better, um, hopefully. And we're trying to make a better life for our kids. Saeed. Like, I love you. Okay. Like you are like, you have really like, you've just given me so much information and I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, I'm, you have taken this time out and I just, I appreciate that to, to lift up my community, to talk to me, to, uh, to give this information. And I just can't thank you enough. Um, you're the best. Like I just, it, I, I really it was- mean that. <laughs> It was it was my pleasure, honestly, and thank you, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This is this is awesome. Of course, I appreciate you. Like this year, we're gonna do it. This is the year of prosperity. I feel it. Like we can do it. You have been given all this information. It's a lot. Take what you need. Take uh, throw away what you don't or what you can't. You know, fit in right now. But continue to learn because we're doing it. 
Guys, this has been another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps. You already know I'm your host, Felicia Jimenez. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Black Joy and Bootstraps. Uh, follow me on Twitter, BLK Joy and Boots. Um, and again, each one teach one. Until next time. <laughs>